Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Catch Up, the podcast about contemporary hip-hop that talks about where it's been, where it's going, and where it is. I'm Jordan Suwami. And I'm James Rathbone. So, so before we get into it, we just got we should just mention how amazing the ongoing support has been. Watching the, the downloads grow, the subscribers grow, so the ratings grow. From all over the world. We got people in the UK, we got people in California, we got people in New York, we got people in Denmark, we got people in Amsterdam. It's amazing. We really appreciate all your listens and support, and we appreciate you spreading the word. Uh, people continue continually message me and tell me that they have friends that aren't even that into hip hop. Exactly. Or don't even know who we are, don't know anything about Boosie Fade the group, but are huge fans of the podcast. And we thank you. And please continue to spread the word. If you really want to support us, you want to help us, tell a friend that you, that you think might be interested. Tell a friend who probably won't be interested. Yeah, they might but, like us still. Yeah, just tell them to tune into this podcast because we really do make it for people who are diehard hip hop fans and people who may not know a lot about it. So my in-laws, my like the parents of my wife listen to this podcast. And they are the farthest people, but shout out to, from our, you know, the people who regularly go to rap shows and whatnot, but shout out to them. Yeah, shout out to them and shout out to James explaining what in-laws are. <laughs> 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 All right, we have a great show planned for you. Uh, so let's get right into it. Yeah. Um, okay, James, so Kids See Ghosts, it drops last week. Yeah. Uh, Part of uh, Kanye's five-week, um, seven-track... Good music album Bonanza. Yeah. This Con- is the second in the series. Third. Third. Yay, Daytona. Oh, that's right. Third, of yes. course. Yeah. So, uh, this this record was, I think, um, one of several curveballs that maybe people weren't expecting uh, when, when Kanye made his announcement about this. Other than the curveball, obviously uh, becoming a, like a far right sort of fascist, um, which maybe some people were expecting, but not us who were hopeful that the the Trump visit was just an anomaly. Um, mo- in part because Kid Cudi and Kanye had this uh, sort of seemingly falling out that had happened last was that t- last I guess like with Saint Pablo era. Yeah, so 2016. Uh, 2016, like, when yeah, Kanye so, was on tour. Yeah, almost two years ago, mm-hmm. um, where seemingly both of them were actually going through some heavy mental health problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably drug addiction issues as yes, well. Yes, exactly. And uh, yeah, just a pretty dark time for them. And they both lashed out at each other, or, or Kid Cudi lashed out at Kanye, and mm-hmm. Kanye shot back. And... Uh, it kind of seemed like maybe that was that. I mean, I remember, th- I actually remember uh, looking at a, I looked at an old post about when it happened and being like. In Boosie Fade? In the Boosie group? Fade the group. Being, if you're not in the group, you should join the group. Yes. And all of you that are in the group, hey, how's what, it going? What up? Uh, and I remember being like, you know what? I don't think this is going to go well for Con- for Kid Cudi's career because he w- he also took shots at Drake and it was like Kid Cudi had, had uh, sort of, fallen off at that point well he wasn't really yeah he he'd made a few uh experimental albums that he experimented with rock music uh on with a side project called wizard yeah um and his following releases just kind of didn't really catch on even with some of his diehard fans yeah and i remember when he kind of came out against kanye there is a 
it seemed like it was kind of tinged with jealousy because Kanye had been hanging out with Drake and they lived in Calabasas. <laughs> they played basketball they, they with each other. Playing basketball, they seemed to be pl- like working on music together. And it, it seemed like Kid Cudi felt like he was like the the odd man out yeah. in that situation. So, um, you know, it, it's uh, it's actually kind of interesting to think about how um, Kid Cudi and Drake kind of came out at the same time, and uh, you know. The, with the the whole push a Drake beef, this you know Drake saying that he's written a lot of material for um, Kanye's records that has actually kind of sometimes been in a similar lane for the contributions that Cudi has. It's true. So I guess we should maybe give some background for who Cudi is because I think if you just got into rap recently, it'd be hard to kind of understand his uh, significance. Kid Cudi, he's a rapper from Cleveland, Ohio. So yeah, he was a he was an American Apparel employee, which was uh, it's funny to be part of that generation where it was like a certain amount of the cool people in your city, you know, worked there, uh, and the kind of legacy that it had because it was like this place that anyone who was cool could get a job who had no like skills or competency, uh, and you were allowed to steal things. In fact, it was company. Uh, policy that you were encouraged to steal things. I can't believe they went break- bankrupt. I know it's doesn't, amazing. Doesn't make any sense to yeah. me. Yeah. Um, yes, many many of our, our our musical greats have worked at American Apparel, including Abel, The Weekend. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. It's Abel and Cuddy. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure that other people, some listeners, will let us know about the others, but yeah, it was actually while working at another store that that Kid Cuddy first met Kanye West. He was working. At a Bape store, which was in Cleveland. There was a Bape store in Cleveland? I mean, yes. No way. Yeah. It must have been working the one in Soho. No. No way. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. This is the Bape store in Soho. I'm, Moved I, I, from Cleveland. I'm yeah, he's from Cleveland. Yeah, yeah he definitely had, had moved. We got to do this all over again. No, it's, no, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's good. Okay. He, yeah, so he was working there. Uh, Kanye West came in. Yeah. Purchased a jacket. Cuddy forgot to remove the tag. Yeah. Then they started talking. Yeah. And um, one thing leads to another to become kind of chummy. Kanye eventually introduces him to uh, Kanye's then manager, Plain Pat, the producer. Mm-hmm. And then Kid Cuddy worked with Cuddy worked with Pat to produce his first mixtape, A Kid Named Cuddy. Yeah. Which was put out with the streetwear brand Ten Deep. Yeah. And this is another part of like Kid Cuddy's like innovations. He became one of the first artists to actually like, actively work with streetwear brands in a way where they were like put out his music. Mm-hmm. And you know, and, and kind of like co brand his music. Yeah. And uh yeah, the, it like if this this tape is really it's an it's excellent. Like you can go back to it and like while I don't think everything has aged that well. There's still like a ton of really excellent songs on it, including like Man on the Moon, The Prayer, Day and Night, which is his breakout hit. Yeah, Day and Night was uh, sort of a revelation at the time because it it was in this, uh, you know, hip hop was in a really weird place in 2008. Uh, I would say it, it hip hop almost seemed like it was going to end in 2008. Uh, you know, like it, it was just not the most exciting time uh, for the genre and. Here comes this guy who's sort of almost like it's almost like a disco or like a electro disco kind of thing that was happening at the time with like European groups like Justice or Simeon Mobile Disco. He was kind of almost like um, alluding to that stuff mm-hmm. uh, with it, but made it fresh, made it his own thing. Yeah, well, I think if hip hop didn't like necessarily, 
I don't think I necessarily felt like it was going to die for me, but it felt like that they needed something new and needed some fresh energy and fresh blood, mm-hmm. especially after there was the the Kanye the time that Kanye West and Fifty Cent both put out an album on the same date, and is like it was kind of set up in this way of being like a ch- like a challenge about what hip hop's future was was going to be. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be this kind of what felt like a part of an old guard kind of like? you know, tough guy gangster thing. Yeah. Or is it going to be this kind of like, um, I don't want to say forward thinking, but a different, like more like, you know, college dressed, like, yeah, a little bit more middle class, a little more middle class. That's a good way of putting it. Exactly. A little more middle class, uh, maybe more relatable to a lot of the, the, the buying audience. Yeah. Not necessarily that does that meaning that would, they would purchase that more because they were buying, the suburbanites were buying 50 cent as much as they were buying Kanye. Yeah. But anyway, they released the, they both released the albums the same day and Kanye outsold 50. And I remember at the time, a lot of the conversation was like, this was like a big, this was like a, a symbolic moment in hip hop mm-hmm. and kind of out, out of the, the ashes of this, uh, kid Cudi emerged. Yeah. And in, in addition to like the things you're saying, like kind of, especially with day and night, like nodding towards, these European dance groups, like uh, really early on, a, a, a remix was made by the group Crookers. Yes, and like this is like actually what really I feel like, yeah, shot well, Kid Cudi yeah, out of the cannon because it really exposed him to an audience that would have never, never otherwise heard his music. Yeah, and kind of gave him a whole new fan base yeah. that a, a fan base that I don't I think at the time had not really been tapped into by hip hop, mm-hmm. and then kind of just became another part of like hip hop. Yeah, I mean the thing like. It's it's interesting now where hip hop has become so dominant, so mainstream, um, where like, you know, 10 years ago, actually, it was like a lot. There was like some there was like a hip hop like DJing was in these like kind of weird this weird place where you had like really like formally um, competent and strong, like old head DJs who would play like the vinyl and play like the samples of like an old like 90s like boom bap song there then there was like um a very like in toronto very few people who were playing sort of like dirty south stuff and then there was like a lot of people who would play a little bit of hip-hop and mix it in with the kind of like dance music of the day stuff like m.i.a santi gold uh yeah you know things like a Justice remix that you would put like a Biggie verse on or something like that. Uh-huh. And like Kid Cudi was kind of of that, uh, but better and, and almost in a, in a, in a progression uh, that like I think ended up being in retrospect hugely influential. Yeah. And not only that, like the subject matter I think was really influential. Yes. Like I've interviewed several rappers over the years. Uh, most notably the people that stick out to me are Travis Scott and Isaiah Rashad that, when, um, when I was talking to like, what, for instance, I, like there's a time as I interviewed Isaiah Rashad for Noisy, and um, he was we were at a table in Odd Soul, which is a restaurant in Toronto in Ossington, and he was kind of he was like kind of humming these lyrics and then singing these lyrics to himself, and I couldn't really make out what he was saying, but the, I was like, oh, I was like, who is that? Is that is that Cuddy? And he's like, nah, man, that's me. But oh my God, thank you. <laughs> that's amazing. Like, he was so flattered by yeah. it. And with Travis Scott, like what, what just when I mentioned Kid Cudi's name, I was like, oh, I see the like the influence of like Kid Cudi and he's like, whoa, yeah. I'm like, well, it's pretty obvious, Travis. Yeah. I, I mean, some it. of his songs sound like exactly like it's Kid Cudi. Kid Cudi in a, cosplay. Yeah, in a, in a, in a good way. I in like a very it. good way, yes. Um, I mean, and, and what's so amazing about that is 
in my opinion, you have the two two of the pol- like two polar extremes of hip hop in those artists because Isaiah Rashad is sort of a a boom back classic throwback type of artist, and Travis Scott is like a trap hype kind of like club banger sort of artist, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. like sings his melodies and but also raps and you know Isaiah Rashad is more of the of the rapping classical kind of style. Absolutely, and I think that like the subject matter, so Kid Cudi very openly and frequently discussed his battles with like depression mm-hmm. and just like you know self-esteem issues like things that i think really weren't a part of the rap conversation they, at large they were at the, the time. opposite because it, rap was all about i mean if you think of it's actually this is a good example of the of the dynamic between 50 cent and kanye because 50 cent was all about the cold-heartedness no emotion you know suppress your feelings basically and kanye was you know even when he was like the old Kanye was still about talking about his feelings a little bit more and uh, his insecurities insecurities you know and whereas like for someone like 50 the idea of talking about your insecurities on a record is like a subject of derision yeah it's like why would you let your enemies know about your weaknesses exactly um, yeah so then Kid Cudi put out uh, several albums with the most significant being Man on the Moon The End of Day uh, and its subsequent follow-up, Man in the Moon 2, The Legend of Mr. Rager. And these albums really, I don't know, I, these albums really cemented him in as one of the most significant figures, and certainly one of the most influential figures of this era of, of hip-hop. And you can see his influence in rappers like Tyler the Creator, Charles Gambino, um, Isaiah Rashad, obviously Travis Scott. Like An entire generation of MCs were were influenced by Kid Cudi. He also had a huge impact on Kanye West's 808s and Heartbreaks album. Mm-hmm. And and that album has gone on to influence a whole a whole, you know, cavalcade of rappers. So all this to say, Kid Cudi is a generationally important rapper. And since since the the, the release of his first two albums, he's kind of I think gone into an experimental phase and kind of lost a lot of Lost a lot. He's gone into an experimental phase that not a lot of his fans have even made it through with him on. And I think that there was the album Wizard, Mm -hmm. uh, which is his rock side project, which honestly, I know many Kid Cudi fans, and most of them I know were like, it was unlistenable to them. And it seemed like he was trying to grow as an artist, but in a way that was difficult for his fans to follow because they just did not enjoy the music. Yeah. I mean, part of the thing with Cuddy is that he was never a straightforward rapper, ever, in and, his life. And I think that he kind of, at times, resented being called, being yeah, th- thought of as a true. rapper. He wanted to be, he's like, I'm, I'm an artist. That's like sort of how he saw himself. Mm-hmm. And um, Part of the problem with that is that when, you're, when you aren't putting yourself in a, in a particular tradition, such as rap, it means that you have to be constantly innovating and constantly finding your sound. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, that leads to failures. It does. Like, if you're just constantly experimenting, no one's going to get that right, you know, uh, 100% of the time. And, you know, for some people, Cuddy's ratio is too low for them to be, uh, like, significant fans. And for others, that excitement of what he's doing is what his appeal yeah, and I guess it's the other thing. Like his albums were always like many songs, like you know, eighteen, twenty song albums, and in there, there's probably some what some people would consider filler. But part of 
the Kid Cudi ex- experience is kind of listening to the whole album and yeah. right, like kind of getting lost in his world and his mind and and his you know his issues of dreams and nightmares and like all this yeah. stuff. So it's it's, uh, it's funny. I was thinking about this on the, on the way here that about how you know we actually in the last few episodes we've kind of talked about um, the issue of of well the new emo rap as well as like sort of Kanye talking about his emotions and uh, how like it's sort of in a funny way this does all come back to Kid Cudi like the emo rap in a way even though it obviously gestures to like emo music mm-hmm. uh, it sort of wouldn't be possible like the 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 Little Peeps the you know Juice Worlds etc wouldn't be possible without Kid Cudi because I think that he did just change the emotional palette available to hip hop artists I think it's true it's absolutely true um yeah. And so after these years of kind of experimental albums, uh, Kid Cudi, I think around t- 2015, 2016, s- like decided that he was going to come back um, and make and make kind of like an old Kid Cudi album. And it came out uh, last year, I believe, Passion, Pain and Demon Slain. Oh, yeah. And um, at the time, I was really excited about the record as a big Kid Cudi fan. Like, I will say, like, you know. I, I went to uh, the University of Western Ontario, and I I had a lot of good times there, and I had a lot of bad times there. And I will say, like Kid Cudi's uh, "Man on the Moon" album was there for me in the bad times, <laughs> and really, really like helped. You know, the comedian Pete Davidson on Saturday Night Live has said that Kid Cudi saved his life, um, and I think in some ways, I'm I'm one of the people that Kid Cudi saved as well. Mm-hmm. So those years when he was going through his experimental phase, I musically was not very interested in the songs i tried to listen to them they just weren't my thing and so when i heard he was kind of going back to the old formula i was really excited and it manifested itself in this album uh passion pain and demon slaying and it's an okay album like Mm -hmm. it's okay at best like it has some really excellent songs and there's a great andre 3000 feature um the song frequency is excellent and so is the video and i encourage you to watch it um and but it was like a, it was a Kid Cudi album with 20 songs and a lot of filler, a lot of stuff you could have missed. And yeah, so it was it was it was good to see that he was kind of trying to return to form, but it wasn't in the exact form of like his best. What you'd want. What you want. Which brings us to his collaboration album with Kid- Kanye West, Kid See Ghost. Yes. Because I feel like on this album, there's a lot of the best stuff of Cudi that you that we that his fans, diehard fans wanted with that last album mm-hmm. that didn't get. That I feel like is paid off in a lot of these songs on this album. Yeah, I mean, one thing I think that you can say about Kanye is that he, with a couple of notable exceptions, brings out the best of with of every artist he works with. And if going back to rappers like Consequence, who otherwise aren't particularly notable but have some classic verses on his music, people like Cameron, Jeezy, um, you know. Even people like Rick Ross, who mm. is you know is definitely a notable rapper, but his some of his best work has come through Kanye. Uh, and Kid Cudi is one of the major, uh, actually, I would say even influences or best collaborators for Kanye, because like in some sense, the 808 and Heartbreaks record I think is kind of the hit a Kid Cudi record at the same time. And even like uh, Father Stretch My Hands part one off The Life of Pablo, which uh, ha- has 
Kid Cudi vocals on it is one of Kanye's best songs of all time. Uh, so, you know, the funny thing I found with this record, Kid See Ghost, is that it almost felt like what people wanted from Ye. The, it was like this co- much more cohesive, complete project with the kind of like maximalist uh, Kanye sound that like people just love. Uh, the You know, just great production. All the songs seem to have like a, a coherence to them and a, and a strong concept. Um, you know, I, I'm not as big a, a Kid Cudi fan, but like this record has just really it's a lot of really great moments uh and i you know i kind of in listening to it in preparation for this podcast i just found myself enjoying it more and more and the songs to kind of taking root in my head Mm -hmm. and i think that this this album has some really strong rapping from kanye Mm -hmm. Um, much better rapping much better rapping than on yay anywhere in my opinion no absolutely absolutely um yeah like reborn which i think is goes in the pantheon of like really Great. impressive Kid Cudi songs. I mean I think it's like it's probably my favorite Kid Cudi song. Uh-huh. Like honestly, I like it so much right now. Well, you know, this this album it's like it's a it's a duo album, but for me in a lot of ways it feels like a Kid Cudi rap album and a Kanye I, West producer album. I 100% agree. Yeah. Um, cause I think that Cuddy takes the lead on most of the songs. Yeah. I don't, I'm not even sure how many verses Kanye has on it. Mm-hmm. Two or three, I think something like that. Yeah. Um, and it, fe- and also features a couple of, uh, regular Kanye collaborators in most deaf and, uh, Pusha, uh, doing some vocals yep. as well. Uh, so it's kind of like, like when I think of Kanye, one of the things I really like about him is that. Uh, it's not he's not just simply a rapper, but he's someone who is uh, more conceptually involved in creating a record and able to kind of think this will be a these are good people to put together and this will make a song interesting. Yeah, and I think if you I don't know like I think that's that's one of Kanye's great skills is his greatest or, his, one of his greatest. Yes, his organize his way to, the way that he organizes artists to shine on a song together. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just like to go back to Reborn, like you have both Kanye West and Kid Cudi discussing their issues with mental health mm-hmm. and the reactions that people gave to them and kind of how how it made them feel and how they're attempting to persevere. Mm-hmm. Especially in the Kid Cudi situation, like since he had his issues, his most recent like public issues where he wrote this that public statement, mm-hmm. um, uh, he hasn't really talked about this stuff in in music. So hearing him on this album talking about dealing with these issues and, and finding a way to move forward really connects back to what he was talking about in the Man in the Moon era and what people first found so compelling about him Yeah, is, you know, feeling like your back is against the wall, feeling like there's no way you can go on, but somehow, some way, like clawing your way back and clawing your way forward, yes. like clawing your way back to normalcy, but also progressing. Mm-hmm. And it feels like just such a huge contrast to Ye and him, you know, Kanye saying things like, my bipolar is my superpower, you know, which seems just like <laughs> problematic and wrong. Yeah. And and just like, kind of like, you're like, you feel like you're witness to something that you don't really want to see uh, versus this, which feels more vulnerable and comes from a place that feels like, like you know, people legitimately working on shit and and with the hope of recovery and, and being healthy and getting better. Yes, and I think like another standout on the album is the 
final song, Cuddy Montage, mm-hmm. um, which once again, I just, I really see it as a, this is a Kid Cudi showcase, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel like for all, because the, the thing is with Kid Cudi's like commercial adoration and like the way that his music has actually changed a lot of lives and impacted many people and inspired a generation of rappers, he's also had a consistent and persistent number of detractors, um, including like critics, music critics. A lot of music critics are not big on Kid Cudi. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of music fans who are not big on Kid Cudi. So in some ways, he's a pretty divisive artist. But I feel like his 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 performance on this album kind of makes believers out of non-believers. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it, yeah, again, it's just like two artists who seem to have found each other the right place and right time. Um, one thing that we kind of talked about when this record came out, uh, you know, like a week ago, uh, was that we the only there was one part the one part that sort of was bittersweet about it was it. That it, you know, Kanye said that he threw out uh, his album after all the TMZ stuff, and hearing this record, which was probably recorded in the same timeline, it makes you wonder the quality of the music that was lost. Mm-hmm. Instead of you know him trying to be, you know, Kanye making this record spontaneously, there's probably some similar gems in it mm-hmm. from the same session. I mean, if you, like you know, uh, uh, there's if you're talking like speaking about the song Cutty Montage. There are references on the song that reference stuff that's happened in the last few weeks. So it's clear that Kanye at least recorded some parts of these verses recently. Mm-hmm. But the the music composition and um, even just like the verses in ge- the verse in general, it's just a lot more like cohesive rapping. Mm-hmm. You know, on like the, the stuff that he references that happened a few weeks ago is the Al- the Alice Marie Johnson pardon mm-hmm. that Kim Kardashian inspired in her meeting with Donald Trump. Um and yeah, I think just in general, it's like Kanye talking, you know, he has this line, he's like, I'm off the meds, like kind of like talking about like this whole, ex- like this whole recent experience, mm-hmm. but in a much more coherent way than he did on Ye, yeah. which is still an album I enjoy. Mm-hmm. This is just, I think, a lot better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. All right. Uh, another significant thing that happened this week is the release of the XXL freshman list which every year causes much consternation and debate about who's left off and who's on and what constitutes a freshman. And also that XXL magazine still exists. XXL. I think XXL magazine exists solely because of this list. So. Yes, I agree. And um, so for those of you that, that aren't maybe aware of like the significance of this list, is the XXL, XXL is a hip-hop magazine um, that kind of, you know, the... In the 90s, the official Bible of hip-hop was a magazine called The Source. Yeah. Um, and then it kind of started losing hold in the 2000s era. They had, like, ownership issues. Mm-hmm. Double Cell sprung up as a competitor. Yeah. And in many ways kind of over overtook them as the leading... Notably, because The Source tried to take on Eminem and 50 Cent this in a true. beef. And double since rap, there wasn't as much of the rap internet, Double XL got to be the, the kind of the source for G-Unit and Eminem, who were the biggest artists of the time. And so that, while the source was, you you know... Because the source source was co-owned by a man named Benzino, who was a rapper. He's owned, I think he's an editor. I think he was a co-owner with Dave Mays. Um, And he got into a beef with Eminem. Yeah. And and then kind of really destroyed the credibility of the magazine. Yeah. 
and Double XL kind of rose through these ashes. The source is still mm-hmm. was still around and still is around. Yes, um, but Double XL be kind of became the official hip hop bible, and then around. 2007, they started putting this thing together called the Freshman List. Yeah, and the whole idea behind this list is that it was talking about rap, like artists that you maybe had not heard of yet, yeah. but who were who had the skills and the buzz and people in the industry watching them mm. that had marked these guys as ne- these guys as next. Yeah, like these were going to be the next stars, the next people. So like in, they're going to put out a list. You may not know who they are this year, but in the next year or so, these people are going to start to blow up, and you're going to know exactly who they are. Yeah. And theoretically, each of the rappers will put, do a freestyle uh, that they put out online. I think I, this came later. It did came, yeah. It came, it's at least 2009 might have been the first one, because there's, there's an infamous OJ the Juice Man oh, one. Oh, yes, that's right. It's considered right. the worst freestyle of all time, and it's, like, so funny to me. I sometimes, I'll go back and watch it about once every six months. Yeah. Um, yeah, so and at the time that this this list started, which is two thousand seven, uh, the rap internet was not really what I mean. It certainly, was all was, blogs. it was all blogs, MP three blogs for the most part. Yeah, and it was not what it is today. It was not super influential. It was a small segment of the music buying public yeah. that partook in it. Hamburger Helper hadn't put out a mixtape yet. Yes, yeah, <laughs> that's right. So it like. You know, it's this magazine as a result. So this this list had huge significance. Like yeah. being on this list meant that, you know, booker, booking agents would see you and club owners would see you on it this was list. Huge legitimacy. It was huge sign of legitimacy and would actually help propel your. It would it would it would send your your booking price up. You know, yeah. it made you more a more valuable commodity. Mm-hmm. And um, so since that, like over, I mean, over the years, if you look at the look at the the list of who these these rappers that were on were on these early freshman lists. It's like some of the most significant names in, in hip hop. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you got Lupe Fiasco, Lea- Fiasco, Little Boosie, uh, Wale, B.O.B., Asher yeah. Roth. Uh, well, that's part, and that's part of it, right? Is that, uh, yeah, as you Asher said, Roth. as you said, it is like a list of, uh, it's almost like, M- of like, of draft prospects. Some of them going to make it. There's going to be some O.J. Mayos, though. There's yeah. going to be some Michael Beasley's. People who we think are going to change the game. And then... The game changes them and yeah. leaves them behind. Yes, exactly. Um, but yeah, Mac Miller, Meek Mill in 2011, Kendrick Lamar, yeah. YG. So 2010, J. Cole, Nipsey Hussle, Freddie Gibbs, Big Sean, Wiz Khalifa, J-Rock. Like These are all like significant names. Like, yeah. 2012 was a really good year. They had Future, Danny Brown, French Montana, Macklemore, mm-hmm. Machine Gun Kelly, yeah. Hobson. Uh, One interesting thing that happened in 2010 was that it was the first time since the XL list had started that artists um, started. Um, there were artists that had emerged in the previous year who had emerged so quickly that they outgrew the list, who were Drake and Nicki Minaj. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the first year that we started to hear about people turning down the list because yeah. in many ways it was like it was beneath them to consider themselves a freshman when they're already like one of the most significant people in the in the genre. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, it it's kind of a funny thing because I think it, at this point it really exists just to elicit controversy. It's sort of like when people compare LeBron James to Michael Jordan. Uh, it's like there's always like a bit of consternation about who makes a list. I guess because people think, you know, rap needs to be a certain kind of way or that these artists don't deserve the attention that it 
they get through it, or just that there's always someone who deserves to be on it more versus someone else. And, you know, probably for the success of the list, it has to be like that. If they nailed it, people just probably wouldn't talk about it as much. Yeah, I think it's true. I, I think there's also like a lot of competing forces at play when it comes to putting together these lists. Like, it's not a solely a merit-based list. No, you know, it's. I mean, a lot of times it, there's pretty clear relationship building in situations between labels and the mm-hmm. magazine. Yes, where they're putting on, you know, preferred artists that this label like really wants to put on. You yes. know, they're, they're so. I mean, if you're if you're a, if you're a label. And you've got this artist that you really think has potential, but they're not quite reaching it. The double, the, the freshman list is a great place for them to end up because, it, again, it gives them that legitimacy, and it and it's something that you can kind of hope as you can throw out there as a hail mary, as opposed to an artist who is just growing organically. Someone like Drake, who you don't need to be sending to that place because they're just going to be that big on their own. Mm-hmm. It, it is an interesting thing to see um, going looking back to see who has made it on there and wondering if especially in cases where you at the time are like who is this person and you know f- you know five years later you have no idea who they are they just never became anything yeah and I think that I mean to your point about like the organic nature of the rise like so the way that the music industry has changed the way the internet has changed the way that we consume music has changed, like it's a lot easier to discover artists through yeah. blogs or through playlists or on your own in any shape or form. Or for the Boosie Fade or group. the or the Boosie Fade the group Facebook group, which if you're not in, you should join. And if you are in, once again, hello. Yeah. Um, yes, there's just many ways to discover artists now. So this double XL list has, has has diminished in its in its impact. Yet it still holds this kind of legacy place in the mm-hmm. genre where it is still kind of like a big badge. It's a big stripe on your belt for, I think, a lot of artists to be on this list. So much so that, like, I mean, it's like that, you know, like we talked about this a few weeks ago, but Nav, who wasn't selected for this list, is, like, upset about it yeah. and created a song called Freshman <laughs> List about how much the XXL pl- uh, Meg list, the Freshman List, th- does not matter, yet he made a whole song about how it doesn't matter. Yeah, so clearly there is something about it, about not being on this list, that it, that irks him. Yeah. So and I think this is something that, that kind of mirrors its conversation with with a lot of music fans who because every year comes out it's a huge debate about mm-hmm. who's who belongs to this list and who shouldn't be on this list. And most people settle on the side of this list no longer matters. Yeah. And yet every and single yet, year these people always have a list of names that should be on the list. Mm-hmm. So it can't be both things. Yeah. You know, either it doesn't matter at all yeah. or there should be people or you think that there's people that needs to be on this list, you know. Yeah. So um, I'm still of the I, like. I mean, I guess it's also both are a little bit true. Yes, that's <laughs> it's that, like yeah. You can't really hold one position too extremely because if you look at it, at that list and you're like, no, this is it. You're wrong because there's there are so many flops that come out of it. People who just don't have careers. On the other hand, uh, it's just like. It, it brings some structure to the culture. It, it's a way to introduce people to new artists who aren't like obsessively going through the YouTube algorithm to find new artists, or uh, yeah, you know, trying to figure figure out what people are talking about on Twitter. It it's like a, it's it's the way to find out about these people. So I'll talk about my favorite year of the list. Okay. Uh, 
So for me, my favorite year of the list, it's it's still probably a little early to say, but for me personally, my taste, I think that 2016 is probably the best year for the list. So a, 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 a competitor for this list would be, I would say, 2010, which is a really stacked year. I mentioned some of these artists earlier. But the, the real highlights, the standouts from this year, from 2010, are J. Cole, Freddie Gibbs, Big Sean, Wiz Khalifa, OJ, OJ the Juice Man, and J-Rock. Um, but 2016 had Little Uzi Vert, Little Yachty, Kodak Black, Denzel Curry, G. Herbo, Dave East, Little Dicky, Anderson Pock, Designer, and 21 Savage. So they're like... There's only one blemish. His name is Little Dicky. <laughs> <laughs> Little Dicky's about to have a television show. He's a show in development right now. He didn't need to be on that list. I thought that was embarrassing. But. Yeah, I, but I also see that they're trying to be like, you know, we're trying to we're trying to reach it. We, well, they we put token white people on yeah, there. There's sometime. a lot of token whites on this list over, yeah. the, over the years. That's one funny thing. Shout out it. to Iggy Azalea, yeah. 2012 <laughs> member. <laughs> Um, uh, Asher Roth, of course. Asher Roth, Yellow Wolf. Although he was great yeah. in that year, he deserved to be on the Mac list. Mac Miller was on it. Mac Miller was absolutely on it. He also deserved to be on I the was, list as there well. Was definitely some weirdo who was on it at some point. Anyway, he was one of the forgotten ones. I remember when Hobson came was on it, yeah. and I was like, "Nope, this is this is not this is not happening." He's definitely a bust, and I was right because that guy. I mean, it's the thing. Hobson is a bust so much that he, in in the sense that maybe he's like not, uh, he's he's outside of the mainstream, mm-hmm. but he's a very successful artist with a huge fan base. Yeah. So like Little Dicky, like Little Dicky, um, <laughs> but not, like, neither neither are my taste. But yes, you know, part of the list is like it's not just like critical adoration. It's also like these people are going to be significant artists in the genre, in some shape or form. Yes. Um. So anyway, this year's list, just to go over it. Uh, is Ski Mask the Slump God, Little Pump, Smoke Perp, J.I.D., Steflon Don, Blockboy JB, YBN Namir, Wi-Fi's Funeral, and Trippy Red. So if you don't know who some of these artists are, Ski that's Mask... That's okay. Yeah, that's fine. It's completely fine. That's the whole point of the list. Yes, it is the point of the list. Um, so Ski Mask the Slump God is a Florida Florida rapper who... He's kind of an he rather he's got an interesting rap style. It was not what I expected based on his name and who the actor is associated with. Yeah, he's he, like a, a Florida SoundCloud guy. He's a Florida SoundCloud Came guy. Came up with like Kodak Black and, and ex- Extension and he, but he, all he, manner of awful people. Yeah, but he also he kind of raps almost like a old, in like an old school sort of way almost like it's like a it's like a more. It's not super melodic. He's got kind of like it's funny bar, bars, bar, he- bar heavy. Yeah, and 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 the beats aren't like traditional trap beats. A lot of time they're kind of a little bit off kilter. And so that that I found kind of it's sort of an interesting thing about him. Um, yeah, Little Pump is also from Florida. <laughs> yeah, but he's the most SoundCloud rapper of all time. He's, yes, he's the epitome of SoundCloud rap. He's the guy J Cole was talking about a few weeks ago. If you yes, listen to our first the- episode. Yeah, and he's like you know a lot of distortion on the production. Purple uh, dreadlock, purple, or, or yes. pink dreadlocks, pink and blonde dreadlocks. Yeah. Um, face tattoos, face tats. Oh. Xanax, love Xanax. Uh, you know, most mostly one word repeated a lot in a in a record or two words repeated mm-hmm. a lot in a record. And I will say, like you know, when he first came out, I was like, this guy's a joke. Yes. I was like a little annoyed by him. But then the song Gucci Gang, which is his breakout hit, yeah. really grew on me. Yeah, it's fun. He recently put out, and then. 
he had a song called I think called Designer that I also thought was pretty good. And then he recently put out a new song called Skeet It. Yeah, <laughs> just his very famous ad lib, which yeah. you, which teenagers across the country and across the world replicate sometimes on news clips. Um, we'll include some in the show notes. Yeah, we'll actually make them this time. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so I think that little pump so far, especially with like his most recent song Skeet It, which I think has some of his like his best rapping on it mm-hmm. is showing me that he actually has, I think he's good, might be around for a while. Like he's, yeah, he's uh, young he's as just, hell too. He's young as hell. He's 17. 17. And, and it's showing that he has the ability to make very, very catchy songs mm-hmm. that succeed in spite of whatever preconceived distaste you may have for it. Yeah. Which is a good sign. So J.I.D. Um, J.I.D. is a rapper who's who is a part of J. Cole's Dreamville crew, mm-hmm. um, who's a Southern rapper, but also raps in a kind of throwback style, like very bars heavy, mm-hmm. very like intellectual, can be introspective while also, you know, referencing a lot of the like the using production similar to a lot of like contemporary trap, but also has a kind of like wisdom that maybe is missing from a lot of the other stuff. Yeah, I. I've tried listening to him a bit. Uh, I didn't find him super, uh, super interesting so far, but he's definitely some people's cup of tea. Yeah, I, I also I, I interviewed him uh, this past December, and I will say he's a very, very nice man. That's always nice to hear. Yeah, it's always he's good. so polite. Oh, so I, I really, I really you're, hope you're he rooting for him. I'm rooting for him big time. Smoke Perp. Smoke Perp. It's another uh, trap SoundCloud rapper. Another guy from Miami, like. Yeah. Interesting. Miami of the, in the last year, few years or so, yeah. Miami has, has proven to be a, a hot huge bed. hotbed yeah. for like really interesting, like underground rap from like Denzel Curry, yeah, um, well, to Kodak Black, to Kodak Black. Like it's really been a a, a source, or even like you know, X X X Tentacion. Like these are all rappers that yeah. have become huge. Just out of the out of that Florida swamp water and it's a, and swamp behavior a lot of times know, as well. That's true. Florida's, a, I mean, Florida is one of those places that has had a, rap, a presence in rap uh, for, for a very long time, but never has been one of the dominant scenes or the dominant sounds at any given moment. And this might be it. This is the first time in rap's history that that's happening. Yes. So Smoke Perp uh, recently put on a joint album with Murder Beats earlier this year that mm-hmm. has a few really good songs on it. Uh, personally, for me, he's never been somebody that I think is a standout. Mm. But uh, the song "One Two Three that he has with Murder Beats yeah, is really great. Really great. Really fun to DJ. Really fun to hear out in mm. in general. Great cadences. Um, so also on this list is Stefan Don, who's the lone woman on the list. Which is, this is another issue with the Double XL freshman list is that it always prioritizes men. To mm-hmm. the to to the point of almost being cartoonish, where you're just like, yeah. are you? Are you are your eyes closed? Like, they yeah, just, yeah. they'll generally just have a token woman on the list. And that's but, but often missing notable ones, putting a token one on just because, like, they, they remembered the last second of the editorial meeting. And, uh, and like, and then this past year, probably there, there have been so many notable new female rappers. Yeah. Like, to not have, I mean, ultimately to not have, we'll get into this later, but to not have Rico Nasty on this list is yeah, to almost crazy. render the list completely. Or 070 Shake. 070 Shake as well. Yeah. Just like completely irrelevant. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I mean, maybe not completely maybe irrelevant. Because you know <laughs> we're talking about it. Yeah, we're talking about it. <laughs> um, so Stefan Don, she's signed to, uh, she's at least management-wise, signed to Quality Control, which is the label that houses Migos and Little Yachty, and uh, the management team behind Cardi B as well. So 
Um, for me, Stefan Dunn is an excellent rapper, um, great live performer, also very bars heavy. She's just extremely skilled. Uh, she has, like, she has all the technical skills to to be to be successful. I think that she's going to suffer from just like the like the United States. North America has proven that they can only handle a certain number and a certain type of British artist. That's true. And I'm not sure that Stefan Don fits into the the mold of what that artist is. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with her career because she is really connected to very powerful players and in the, the music industry. The people right now. The people. Be- they're the, like I think that uh, it's been proven that that Q um, and and um, the, just the manager team at, Q- at QC are amongst the best managers in music. Yes. So uh, we'll see what happens with her career. Like she's definitely plugged into the right squad. Mm-hmm. Blockboy JB. Blockboy JB, who's the Memphis rapper who invented a new dance. Invented the shoot dance, which yeah. is really taking over America. If you don't know about it, ask the nearest nine year old or twelve year old and they will do it for you. Very, very well. It's very smoothly. It's yeah. a really it's a really fun dance to do. Mm-hmm. Um he kind of we mentioned him a few weeks ago, but he his career shot was shot out of a cannon when Drake hopped on a song with him called Look Alive, yeah. which I think debuted at number six on the Billboard Hot 100 mm-hmm. and immediately made him a sought-after collaborator in music. So he's worked with uh, ASAP Rocky and 21 Savage. He did ad-libs on the Childish Gambino, This Is America song. Yeah. Like, he has become a go-to feature and recently put out an, uh, a mixtape called Simi a few weeks ago that is really, it's really been, excellent. It's in one of my albums of the year already. I can I can tell you say that. And he's a, he's a really fun rapper. Mm-hmm. He's a really funny rapper. Yeah. Uh, he has like really sneakily clever rhymes a lot of the time, yeah, and just has a really like a vitality and energy to him that makes listening to him very fun. Yeah, for sure. Next up is YBN Namer, another artist who we have mentioned in the past. Uh, he came out last year with a, a freestyle called "Rubbing Off the Paint." Uh, he, the YBN crew, if you haven't listened to the episode where we talked about it or you're unfamiliar, are a bunch of young rappers who met on Xbox Live. Uh, he's influenced. He's from Alabama, but his his rapping style is influenced by Northern California, sort of bars heavy, yet still having a, a bit of like a bounce and like danceability to his mm-hmm. music. Uh, he's very talented, and I'm I'm he, while being like super young, I think he's like 16. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm very optimistic about his future. Yeah, he I, for me, every song I've heard him on, he's he's stood out. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a song that Jeezy has called 1942. Which someone on Twitter described as Diet Magnolia, um, referencing the the Playboy Cardi song, and Namir sounds great on it. And mm-hmm. I just think that yes, he has a really bright future, and I'm excited about him too. Yeah. Um, so we have two rappers left. We got uh, Wi-Fi's Funeral, who's the rapper I know the least about. Me too. On, on this list, but like many, is from Florida. Yep. Um, <laughs> something's going on in the water there. Yeah. And. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know a ton about him. Yeah, me neither. And so, I guess that's, that's all I'll say about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Likewise, I guess I, we we all got some work to do. We're all going to listen to Wi-Fi. Yeah. Uh, the final rapper on the list is Trippy Red. Trippy Red, who is from Cleveland, Ohio, and I guess started emerging last year. So another part of this this SoundCloud set mm-hmm. was one of the first guys, along with like Uzi, Little Uzi Vert, that was really like using the emo sounds and. Just like using his voice in the way that a lot of the emo, the 2000s emos bands did, mm-hmm. which was kind of 
was so a part yeah. of the vanguard of this like this emo rap thing that Little Peep was a part of. And yeah, like yelling, screaming kind of thing a little bit. Yeah, wailing. Yeah, really like emotional. Um, yeah, and he had a song earlier this this. So he's best known for the song Love Scars as well. The song he had a great song he had earlier this year with Travis Scott called Dark Knight Demo. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, both of which have gone. Uh, sorry, Poles fourteen sixty nine, which he did with Takashi six nine. Yeah, who's not on this list notably. Yeah, um, and both that and Dark Knight Demo have gone gold. So he is like a very much so like an up and coming rapper. Mm-hmm. Um, so since we mentioned Takashi, I just want to mention something that happened when this list first came out. People were really excited. Like this is the first year in some time that the XXLs put people on like like a cover with no one with any kind of domestic or sexual violence like history about them. Yeah. And the day the list came out, mm-hmm. uh, the night before, Trippy Red was arrested for uh, allegedly assaulting a woman with like with a pistol. Yeah. Um, uh, like, in a fight with her. his like with his girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, so, so that record, uh, the WXL list is still. Still Zero years strong of putting together a list without <laughs> yes. any abusers on they it. They scratched out. They were like, we are one year since, and then they had to scratch that out on the, the whiteboard. They yeah, and, the and I mean, also, like, last year it came out that, I mean, they put XSX Detention on the list. Yeah. And then later it came out that they actually, like, they they testified for him in court. Like, right. They That's testified true. for oh him God, in court. I forgot about that. They, like, went, and I think that the way that they... They were kind of duplicitous about the way that the, that he ended up on the list, yeah. but it later came out that they had bent over backwards to help him, yeah, oh my to God. make it to make it on the list. So it's like Oof. it's it's it, I don't I don't really know. It's like the, you know I was earlier today I was just moderating a panel on uh, art versus the artist and what the importance of institutions. And for us, we were talking about North by Northeast, which is the festival in Toronto that is the sister festival or cousin festival of Zappa Southwest. And uh, so this year, one of the headlines, headliners is Azalea Banks. And three years ago, they had Action Bronson booked as a headliner, but then they canceled on him because uh, an activist started a petition about songs that Action Bronson had that like portrayed violence against women and a video that he had, and he mm-hmm. ended up getting canceled. But this year, they booked Azalea Banks. And so we were kind of talking about, like, is that hypocritical and like all of this stuff? And what's the role of institutions in, you know, what responsibility do institutions have morally morally to use their their platform to 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 either like not necessarily silence but just not promote artists who have shown either in their private life or in their art kind of like destructive values mm-hmm. so double xl doing all this stuff last year really just made painted them in a really bad light because it just it's like these are people with power who don't have to put XSX Tetensia onto their list. Like, they don't have to do that. Yeah. So to do that is, like, bad enough. To bend over backwards and go out of your way to go to bat for him in court, if, when he's in court for, <laughs> like, a, a very serious domestic violence issue, yeah. is a whole other thing. Yeah, it's one thing to take a kind of journalistic stance of being, like, we're just reporting on the world. Mm-hmm. The other thing is to be like, no, he's a good kid. Yeah, he's, he's a bright kid. future. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, that's the list. I mean, like, let's talk about some of the names that we think are missing from the list. Yeah. Um, who do who do you think is missing from the list? Name um, name two or three artists. Uh, the first one that comes to mind, I think I've, well, I think I, he's been a song of the week for me is uh, Saint John, who's an artist from Brooklyn by way of Guyana. Is that right? Anyways, he's, he's an immigrant to Brooklyn. Uh, he's got 
interesting. Just kind of he he's actually kind of interesting comparison to Cuddy in some ways because he's got a bit of a sing rap thing and he has some music that is a little bit. Uh, yeah, he's sort of the singing rapper thing, and he's, he's definitely, I think, got a, a streak of like artistic sort of uh, adventurousness to him. Um, he, yeah, I think he's he's just got a super bright future. He's conceptually rich in his work. Um, some of his stuff can kind of sound like it's like Young Thug influenced. Other stuff can be almost, uh, yeah, almost kind of Cuddy esque. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Also shown a sense of humor. Yes, with yeah, his yeah. song titles. Yeah, um, such as "I heard you got too lit tonight," <laughs> last night. God or, bless the ratchets. It's, is that one? Yeah, and uh, what's his other one? Uh, I want to mention "God bless the internet." <laughs> um, a man after our own heart. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that's he's one. Um, and you know, I mentioned I think on before on the show, little baby, uh, the uh, local Toronto rapper was was amongst the nominees for it. Uh, Pressa, who uh, is I think he, you know, again he was someone who's almost I felt like I guess from the, within the Toronto bubble he almost seemed like he was like too big for it or something like that. But because he had a you know he had a fairly big song called Canada Goose with. Uh, Tory Lanes earlier this year, but he's uh, you know he's someone who I'm always look forward to his music. Yeah, I, I feel like he's not definitely not too big for it because no, it's like outside no. of Canada, he's not really very well known. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would have been good for him to be on the list. Yeah, but I don't even I don't think I don't even think that he necessarily deserves to be on the list. Interesting, because he, he hasn't put out like a, a he has enough project yet. Yeah, and his trajectory is no longer seeming upward. It seems mm-hmm. like it's maybe stalled out. And I think a lot of that has stuff to do with like the lack of infrastructure in the Canadian scene. Yeah. Um, the Canadian music scene. So he's done a lot of stuff in the UK. He's toured with Drake in Europe, but mm-hmm. like he hasn't shown an upward trajectory. Like after the Canada Goose song, he hasn't really followed it up with anything. Yeah. He definitely seems like the type of artist who would benefit hugely from getting into like a label, not just a label situation. Cause I think a lot of traditional record label stuff is, is like pretty toxic, but into one that is sort of like a creative family, like a good music or something like that. If there was something like that for him, I think it would be huge. True. So I'll, I'll give you a few names. I mentioned them earlier, but like Rico Nasty, like, mm-hmm. and Rico Nasty. For those of you who don't know who she is, is she just uh, appeared on the cover of the Fader, yeah, um, and is a really, uh, really punchy, aggressive, fun rapper. She mm-hmm. really reminds me. She has energy that, in some ways, is reminiscent of like early Little John stuff. That's like kind of like fight music. Yeah, um, it's very aggressive. It's it's really. I mean, she's she's also really funny, yeah, and just has a personality that I feel I find is very infectious, and I think that she, I mean, she's really like starting to like earn a lot of notice and earn a lot of fans, mm-hmm. and I think that a lot of people are are high on her future. She she's kind of similar to Cardi B in the sense of it's this like what the game's been missing feeling a little bit of having this kind of like fun female trap rapper who has like the energy to uh, go the distance. She had a great like freestyle flip of the song by, by this rapper named Tay-K called The Race, called uh, 
beat my face, which yeah. is she makes like a she's she, double entendre of like beat, beat, beating to beat one's face is to really do a great job with makeup. Uh, yeah, and, and then beat your face. Yeah, which is I just thought I'd never heard that term before that song, mm-hmm. and I thought that was hilarious. And then obviously beating someone's face, she can do both. <laughs> <laughs> Get you a girl who could do both. Yeah. I guess kind of. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Rico, uh, and you know, since you mentioned earlier, I will say O seven O shake because yeah. I think that th- like if this if the list was operating the way that it should, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, every rap fan's favorite topic, <laughs> it, like O seven O shake would be on this list because she has everything that you need to be on it. Yes, she has the skill. Mm-hmm. She has the newness in terms of like what's unique about her. She's a singer and rapper from New Jersey. And is the front woman of a crew, a collective called the O Seven O Crew. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she's managed by the party promoter and A and R Yes Jules, which is a bit ominous. A bit, a bit ominous, but is uh, seems to be working out for her somewhat. She's signed to Good Music, and she recently appeared as a standout, which we talked about on the new Kanye album. So these are all things that are in her favor. Mm-hmm. I think that she doesn't really, at this point, doesn't have the fan base in the way that maybe some of these other artists do. I think her identity is also not, like, she hasn't a lot of profiles. I don't, and, and frankly, almost seems, like, purposely obscure a little mm-hmm. bit. And um, just doesn't have that, like, online persona that I think you kind of need to, like, to get on there, maybe. Mm-hmm. Although they put GID on there, so. Yeah, but he's, like, you know, the, the Dreamville thing. That's true. And he's a little more, he's like done a little more, few more features and stuff. So, yeah. I mean, anyway, so that's the list. Yeah. And those are our opinions on it. Yeah. Um, and now we're just going to get into our, t- our three songs of the week. So, this week for our uh, song selection for our playlist, we're going to do uh, one song each from uh, Kid Cudi's oeuvre, uh, one song from an artist on the XXL list, one song from the Omissions, and of course, as usual, every that we do every week our uh, song that we've just been listening to. So for me, I've got uh, Reborn from Kid See Ghost. I've got Rover 2.0 by Blockboy JB featuring 21 Savage. I've got uh, uh, from the Omissions, uh, Pressa featuring Tory Lanez, Canada Goose. And for my song of the week, I have got an, a Bad Babby song. <laughs> Maybe pronounced Bad Baby, but it's spelt Bad Babby, so that's how I say it. <laughs> Gucci flip-flops featuring Lil Yachty, who probably received the most votes to be on the XXL freshman list, but didn't make it due to the, the list being sponsored by a condom company and the fact that she is a 15-year-old girl. Uh, and that, that supposedly that's the reason she didn't make it. But, uh, you know, she surprised me with the quality of her music because uh, I really thought that, you know, when the girl from like a Maury episode who got famous for saying, um, how about that? Dr. Phil. Dr. Phil, pardon me, uh, said said that it was not going to she's not going to have any talent, but she's she seems to be improving, getting better and, you know, good for her. Mm-hmm. So my song from Kid Cudi is the song Cutter is Back. Uh, which is a song, which is kind of like a, a Lucy of his, not in any albums. Um, that for all the talk we've had about Kid Cudi's skills for for introspection and his ability to talk about the dark sides of his life, uh, this is a really bright and happy song that I think is a really shows the other side of him and shows his fun loving side, shows his his humorous side, and also has a really funny video. Um, my omission from the XXL list is 070 Shake, and the song that I am liking this week is Trust Nobody. 
which is the first song I heard from her. Somebody posted in the Boosie Fade group last year. And it's just a really, really excellent show display of singing, rapping, and storytelling, and also has a great video. Um, my song from the artists on on the list that I like is Little Pump. I mentioned earlier, is Sket It. It's a fun song, and honestly, it's just like, that's the thing, it's just pure fun. And watching the video, it's like, it, it, it's, an, it's an earworm, and it just makes you bounce. So... Uh, and my song of the week, the song I've been listening to outside of the artist that we mentioned, is by the artist Tierra Whack. Um, and the song is called Hookers. She just put out this tape that's uh, called Whack World. It has all one-minute-long songs, um, which is very convenient, but uh, sometimes can be frustrating because some of these songs are really, really, really good. And I think a lot of people in the industry are really hyped on her, and I think she's well worth your time. And it's only like 16 minutes, so like get on Spotify, get on Apple Music, and like dig into it. And while you're on Spotify or Apple Music, look for the Catch Up playlist. So just search Catch Up the playlist, and all the songs we mentioned here will be on there. It's a playlist that we update every week with the songs that we discuss on this ep- on this podcast. And uh, yeah, like check it out. Check it out. So if you're listening to this uh, on Friday before 2 p.m., uh, Jordan and I will be on I Stole a Soul FM, which you can uh, access at istolesoul.com. That soul is in thing that uh, you're you know, leaves you at death, not the thing at the bottom of your foot. Uh, we've got a radio show at 2, a, at 2 p.m. We'll be playing some of the music, maybe, that we mentioned today, or some of the artists, maybe. Uh, you got to listen to uh, in to find out. Or listen in all day, because it's, like, a really fucking dope thing. Yeah, it's a, it's a pop-up radio station that does shows every once in a while, usually around certain events, and this time yeah. it's around North by Northeast, which we mentioned earlier. Um, there's a, a, a really impressive slate of DJs and artists performing and playing, so tune in. So next week, uh, well, maybe we'll be, it'll be finally the week we get to ASAP Rocky's testing album. Eh, nothing's guaranteed in this life, so we'll find out next yeah. week. I mean, uh, we've also got the Nas record, which we will definitely talk about next week. So tune in. Yeah. <laughs>